The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link alongside James Anderson, back after a long hiatus over the winter. Good to be back with you, James. Uh, a lot of great content going up on the site right now, including your latest Farm Futures piece, which we're going to be focusing on today, looking at the NL West, looking at the top prospects by team in that division. Uh, NL West preview went up today, and also James's tiered prospect rankings article from the magazine. That went up recently, too, as well, right? Yeah, I think that went up maybe two weeks ago at this point, yeah. and then the the 
Farm Futures, the first uh, weekly one of the season. We're going to go weekly from here on out, and that, that went up earlier this week. Yeah, it's good stuff. Definitely go back, circle back, and check out that tiered, tiered prospects article as well. Very good resource if you're an early drafter. You had an early draft recently, too, and you pick up any solid prospects? I walked away from that one with Mazzara and Giolito, among others. I mean, those were probably the two top prospects I got. I, you know, th- that resource, it's I, I think it's great. I, you know, it's pretty popular on the site. That one definitely, you know, you gotta use your best judgment at times with with whether or not some of that stuff remains the same with with mm-hmm. trades and. Uh, stuff like that. So, I mean, I think that that's it's pretty useful, but obviously that was made for the magazine a, a couple months ago, yeah. so there are a few guys in there that I'd probably switch around a little bit right now. Yeah, definitely. But definitely an easy way to look at it and, you know, gauge your type of league and your your situation uh eye some prospects up. I also got M- Mazzara in my offseason NFBC draft. Uh, didn't land a ton of prospects, though. It seems like, you know, especially in a competitive league like that, the book's out on a lot of these guys, but... Uh, in your league, I mean, just randomly, he's not a prospect anymore, but uh, the Rysel Iglesias hype is really jumping through the roof. Uh, we, we talked on the XM show a while back about how John Lamb is maybe the real true sleeper, but um, can can you offer some maybe some words of uh, maybe some sobering words, at least for those who are looking at, at Rysel Iglesias and, and jumping all over that increased price? Well, I love him. And you love him, and Eno loves him, and Spore loves him. I mean, everybody everybody that is kind of into this stuff uh, year-round knows about Rysel, loves Rysel. The problem is I think most of us thought that maybe we'd get him like in the 130s or maybe 120s, something like that. Mm-hmm. Now he's going, you know, he's probably going to be going in the, the eighth round of most drafts. He he went pick 85 in my 15-team NFBC draft. Uh, that that I think that's still the highest pick so far this year on him, but everybody knows about Rysel, and I think it's gotten to the point where it's going to be tough to profit, specifically given team context. He's going to need a lot of... You know, a lot of help to to get to double digit wins mm-hmm. this year. I think so. While he's going to give you a ton of K's, you know, if you're going to be taking him in the first hundred picks, you need that ERA to be under three five. Mm-hmm. You need that WHIP to be under one two five, and you need you know two hundred plus K's probably to yeah. make that work out. So I mean, that's that's an awful lot to ask for him in his first full season in the rotation. Yeah, I think that's very hard to expect to given you know workload concerns maybe, and also. I mean, as much as I love him from a skills standpoint, we're talking about five by five roto on that Reds team, and without a, a full workload, probably. I mean, single digit wins, I think, is pretty much a lock. So, uh, I think it's time for people to temper expectations. And that bullpen's going to be pretty oh, pretty rough. Just got all so it was I mean, so bad last year, and it's just even you're going to have some obviously. some heartache there. Yeah, hopefully they don't bring back Kevin Gregg. Uh, we'll get into <laughs> the latest or your farm futures piece that went up on Tuesday, James. Great stuff as always. NL West top tens, and we'll start with a team that's uh, an organization, the farm system, that's seen a lot of uh, turnover this this winter. A lot of top prospects, most of their top prospects, being shipped off for in, a, in win now moves. The Diamondbacks, of course, um, losing Dansby Swanson, Aaron Blair. Uh, with those departures, Braden Shipley now atop the, the organizational ranks here uh, for you. Braden Shipley, Brandon Drury, Peter O'Brien. Given, I mean, they of course the additions of Granky, um, 
and Shelby Miller are going to help that rotation, but do you think Braden Shipley gets a chance in the first half? I don't. I think they they might keep him down all year, uh, just just based on the additions to the rotation. Um, and and Shipley's not a finished product yet. You know, he's he's relatively old. I mean, he'll be twenty four on opening day, but you know, he's a he's a guy that went to college, a guy that hasn't been pitching all that long. You know, converted shortstop. So he's he's not where most 24-year-old pitchers are in, in terms of development. The the strikeouts weren't really there last year relative to the stuff. You know, I mean, everyone knows he's got a plus fastball. Um, but, you know, he's, he's got solid secondaries too. So I'd look for those strikeouts to, to trend up this year at AAA. And then, you know, maybe if, if they need a, an arm and he's pitching well, they bring him up. But I, I don't know. I, I just think that a lot of the moves they made suggest that they aren't really planning on using him much this year at the big league level. And, you know, with a guy like Archie Bradley, who I think he would get a shot first if he's pitching well, uh, just given where Shipley is in terms of his development. So I, I love Shipley long-term. I think that he's a great kind of buy low guy just based on what, what numbers he put up last year, but I wouldn't expect much from him this year. Yeah, you mentioned Archie Bradley, former top prospect in the organization. He's down now down to number five on your ranks. Uh, Jamie Westbrook, number four. Bradley, five. Cody Reed, six. Socrates Brito, seven. Yon Lopez, eight. Alex Young, nine. Uh, Wei Che Huang, uh, number 10. Now, getting back to Shipley for a second, I thought it was interesting that he threw out a, a Jacob deGrom comp. Uh, and that is, you know, athletic righty, limited experience as a full-time starter. Do you think he eventually kind of reaches that level of, of DeGrom in, in recent years, or do you think uh, I, it's, a, it's a while before we actually so, see him near that level? I mean, I think it's completely unfair to, like, say he's going to be the next Jake, Jake DeGrom, but I think that DeGrom serves as a very nice reminder that, you know, guys that are a little older – that aren't missing a ton of bats in the upper levels that maybe don't have as much uh, as many reps under their belt as a, as a pitcher, uh, as some pitchers, then I think you, you tend to over, you write those guys off as mm-hmm. prospects. So I'm just kind of stressing, don't write Shipley off based on what he did last year. Uh, a lot of, you know, he has a lot of similarities with the Grom and I think that, you know, there is still number two starter potential here. I wouldn't compare him to DeGrom. DeGrom's an ace, bona fide. But I think Shipley still is a top 50 prospect, and I think that you might be able to get him at a bit of a discount right now. I want to ask you about a guy who's no longer in the NL West following a recent trade, but Asan Diaz. Uh, I want to ask you because I don't know a ton about him, honestly. He's still in the lower levels, but MVP of the Pioneer League last year, uh, maybe maybe looking at an assignment to low A to start this year. With the Brewers, I mean, what what does he bring to the table? And is he a guy that in, in deeper dynasty leagues like our staff keeper league, uh, where you, you can stash up to ten minor leaguers, is he a guy that you'd maybe consider in those formats? Yeah, I think he should probably be rostered in in all formats where 150 prospects are owned. He's you know, as you said, hasn't played above rookie ball, which is why when you're a team like the Brewers and you're trying to target a return for Regine Segura it makes a lot of sense to go after a guy that's, you know, years away from the big leagues that has the potential to be a legitimate above average starter at the big league level, rather than, you know, some pieces that are a little closer that don't have that kind of upside. I think Diaz is really interesting from a fantasy perspective, just because he sort of profiles as a better 
fantasy asset than real life player, just given the fact that uh, I think there's some questions as to whether he sticks it short. But even if he moves to second, a guy that could hit 20 homers and you know, hit like 290, something like that, with a handful of steals, that's, that's pretty useful. Yeah, absolutely. Now, your your best bet for the Diamondbacks for 2016 in terms of fantasy value, Brandon Drury, who, you know, definitely intriguing, but it looks like Chris Young, or Chris Owings, rather, Jake Lamb and Phil Gosselin going to get the first crack at filling in holes at second base and third. And Do you think it's Owings that, that ends up getting the bump so from second? I I also there's a chance there's a chance that Nick Ahmed plays yeah. some short and Segura plays some second too. Uh, I didn't mention that in the article, but that that's possible. I I just think I look at I look at Segura. I'll, I'll even throw Segura and Ahmed in the mix. Segura, Ahmed, Owings, Lamb, Goslin. I actually like Drury long term more, uh, especially as a hitter, than any of those guys. So I just think that he, you know, I mean, he's he's basically big league ready. He's probably going to be maybe more refined come May or June. But I just don't see anybody in that organization that's going to be playing well enough to to stop him from getting a crack at something. Mm-hmm. You know, especially considering they're trying to compete this year. If they've got, say, you know, maybe Ahmed's giving them great defense, but is terrible at the plate again, or maybe Segura is just kind of average at both things, maybe a bit below average offensively. Uh, I wouldn't expect much from Owings at all, so I, I don't think he's much of a roadblock. Goslin's kind of more of a utility guy. Uh, I think Lamb might hold on to the strong side of a platoon at mm-hmm. least at third, but I think Drury inevitably plays a lot of second base for them this year. And that's ideal because you you want that bat at second. You don't really want it at third yeah. because there's not a ton of power. Like I, I think maybe like 15 homers. What but, would you grade the power in game? Uh, 45, 50, maybe, yeah. probably a 50. But like if you, you know, if you get 290, I mean, he's going to get on base a ton. I, I really think you could hit in the two hole for them at some point. Yeah. So if you're hitting behind AJ Pollock in front of Paul Goldschmidt. And you're you know hitting close to 300. That's going to be a lot of runs. You know it's maybe optimal. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's a nice spot to be in. So uh, not a lot of shine on Drury right now. You know he the fact that he debuted last year and doesn't have any you know big time plus plus tool or anything like that makes him a, a little bit under the radar. But I definitely think in, in deeper leagues, especially like an NFBC type of format, he's he's a guy worth worth targeting. Yeah, I mean he's I think that bat. Definitely profiles better at, at second base, but we saw the guy with a guy like Matt Duffy. You know, I mean, he you can uh, plug a guy like that in and still get a lot of contributions. But I think at second base is is an ideal fit uh, for this year and probably long term. But we'll move move on here to the Rockies. Is this the best farm system in baseball? I actually think the Dodgers is, and we're going to get to them in a yeah. second, obviously, but. Prior to some of the Dodgers' moves this offseason, I thought the Rockies had the best one, uh, especially for fantasy purposes. Uh, I kind of touch on this when breaking them down, but I think the biggest difference, obviously the one difference between fantasy prospect rankings and and real-life prospect rankings is you don't really factor in defense that much. Obviously, you got to play some kind of defense, otherwise you're not going to get a shot in the NL. But also, Rockies pitching prospects get – a big time uh, ding from me in these rankings just because you have to factor in the organization you have to factor in that the Rockies continue to trade for arms you know they they traded Corey Dickerson for another arm 
uh, a couple more arms, I should say, and and they're they're not going to be moving John Gray or Jeff Hoffman anytime soon. So you got to kind of assume that they're going to pitch in Colorado, and there just hasn't been a starter save for one crazy Ubaldo Jimenez season that's had a good uh, full season in the Rockies rotation from a fantasy perspective. So while I love John Gray streaming him on the road on DraftKings or FanDuel, uh, it's just so hard to extract a ton of value from a guy when you only feel comfortable rolling him out there for about half of his innings. Yeah, top six prospects in the organization, hitters, and only John Gray and Hoffman making this list. Just to run these guys down, David Dahl, number one, Ryan McMahon, two, Brendan Rodgers, three, Forrest Wall, four, Trevor Story, five, Rymel Tapia, six, John Gray, Trevor Hoffman, Wes Rogers, and Tom Murphy, number 10. Uh, when I ask you about, about Dahl, just to start, I mean, uh, you have your best bet for 2016 as Trevor Story, who we'll talk about too in a second. But with Dahl, with Corey Dickerson now shipped off to Tampa Bay, uh, not quite the log jam in the outfield now. It's it's set for opening day, but is Dahl kind of the next guy up if there's an opening for you know a long term absence to either Cargo or uh, or Gerardo Parra? I don't see Dahl coming up this year. I mean, he's got 300 plate appearances above high A, mm-hmm. and you know last year was kind of a tough year for him because he was dealing with injuries. Uh, I think he had that ruptured spleen. Mm-hmm. So it, there's a lot of developmental time that he missed that they're going to try to make up this year. He might even start the year back at double A. I, I think in 2017, you'll probably see Dahl up for a good chunk of the year. But right now, you know, I think that they're just kind of hoping that they can get a, a fairly healthy season out of, out of the three top guys and maybe plug some holes here and there. But I think Dahl's going to spend most of the year in the minors. Uh, now you said in your recent offseason draft uh, or early draft, I should say, uh, that you got Nomar Mazard. Did you did you give Tom Murphy some consideration there too? I, wa- I think I, I ended up. I with really him. wanted Tom Murphy. I, I've I'm a big fan of the punting catcher strategy mm-hmm. in two catcher in 15 team two catcher leagues, and you know, in in our mock for the magazine, I was able to get. Murphy and, and Kevin Plyecki with my last two picks of that mock and I I guess I got a little greedy waiting around thinking that I could pop Murphy mm-hmm. later than, than I actually could someone someone ended up grabbing him which which really kind of stunk because he was definitely my top target there if, if you're trying to punt catcher and it's just a normal league that like this was a league where the, you have 50 players on your roster yep. so I mean he no was, in-season pickups right. I think in in normal leagues you can get him with your last pick or your second to last pick if you want. And mm-hmm. honestly, like I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if he outperforms Nick Hundley this year. I mean, we saw Nick Hundley come out of nowhere and and have a top ten year at the position fantasy wise. Uh, Hundley's got, I don't know, fifty fifty power maybe, mm-hmm. and in that ballpark, you know, he could hit two seventy five with twenty homers if he wrangles that job. So I, I think that he's a guy you gotta keep an eye on late in drafts given the state of the position yeah and Hunley I mean he's 32 uh coming off a neck injury it was a cervical sprain so I mean it's not like he's completely in the clear that's a pretty serious injury and uh, I just feel like Murphy's uh, yeah excellent excellent pickup late in drafts in those kind of formats especially if you do punt catchers because uh perfect environment obviously uh for, for a hitter I, like I want to ask you just talking about the Rocky system uh 
I I think I'm low on Brendan Rodgers relative to most of the other people in the industry, uh, fantasy wise, and I have my reasons for that. But where would you have put him in this on this top ten list? I have him third behind Dahl and, and McMahon. Where would you have thrown yeah, Rodgers? I think I might throw him above McMahon, just because of his position. Uh, I mean, you're you're going to be waiting longer, but I think you know the bat speed will will carry him. Uh, and at that position, I think we're looking at a guy who's kind of a perennial top three pick at that position uh, in three years or so. Okay, so yeah, I I think that 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 is what someone that likes Rodgers more than me would would say that's what I would expect mm-hmm. to hear I just think that there's I mean if if you're projecting him to get to the big leagues in three years that's pretty optimistic uh just given yeah, the fact that he's you know he's a prep bat obviously love the the bat speed I just don't know if they're going to push him that aggressively. And I th- he would have to, I mean, look at a guy like Clint Frazier. I think there's a lot of similarities there in just in terms of the uh, offensive profile and where they were kind of drafted. I mean, this was kind of a weak draft class. So Rogers being, being picked third, I think that's uh, maybe a little misleading. Um, it, he could take four plus years to get to the big leagues. And I'm just not, I think McMahon and Dahl both get there by 2017, and Rodgers has more upside because he's a shortstop, but we also know that Dahl and McMahon can both hit. Mm-hmm. Like they're gonna, their, their hit tool is not going to be a question. Power and speed for Dahl is not a question. Power from McMahon is not a question. So, I mean, Rodgers maybe struggles when he gets to double A on, on breaking stuff. I, I just don't know. So I, I, I put him third. I think reasonable minds could even put him first in this system. Mm-hmm. I, I noted – in the overview that it, it could look really silly in a few years to have had him third on this list, mm. but I'm just always going to kind of skew a little towards uh, proximity yeah. when it's, when there's the, when the gap's this big. I've been weighing, yeah, I've been weighing proximity more in my mind too. I mean, I, I've done some rankings of prospects, not nearly as much as you, but uh, I just feel like for fantasy, especially, you know, of course you, it's, it's, it's fine to wait in some instances on guys uh, and then maybe look, you know, either wait it out until they get the majors or have that as a huge trade mm-hmm. chip. But I think, you know, when you're taking on those guys, the amount of risk that you're taking on to is easy to kind of overlook. Also, you know, think about a guy like Alex Jackson. Uh, yep, that's a good Kind of considered the best, best prep bat in the 2014 draft. After he gets drafted in 2014, he – Hits 280, 344, 476, two homers in 23 games at rookie ball. People were pumping him into the like 20s, into the teens on prospect list going into 2015. And then he just kind of, he struggled, you know. I mean, he, he showed some signs of, of getting better in, in the second half last year. I still I still like him as a prospect. But, I mean, it's not crazy to see stuff like that happen with, with prep hitters. So I just think you got to be careful on how aggressive you get with yeah. – with a guy like Rodgers in drafts this year. And you make a good point, too, in that you know you don't really know how they're going to adjust to advanced pitching at double A AA and triple A. The off speed, uh, some of the, the premium velocity, I think he has the bat speed to, to catch up to that velocity. But until you see him do that and have to make some adjustments mm-hmm. at those higher levels, hard to really put him in that elite class. I think that's wise, too, just for fantasy more so than anything, too. Just I think Rodgers is going to be a very good player, but at Dynasty League is that weight 
uh, and the risk that you take on with that weight, I think definitely should be at the forefront of prospective owners' minds. Now, again, I do want to get to Trevor's story, but real quick, I saw a person in the comments ask you about Wes Rogers. Can you tell us a little bit about him? Because he, too, uh, don't know a lot about aside from the speed tool. Yeah, so he's a, a JUCO guy, um, really lanky, athletic, 6'4", 180 is what he's listed at right now. He might be closer to like 190 now, but, uh, you know, phys- physical comp, I'd put Dexter Fowler on him, you know, very, very similar uh, in in that regard. His his swing kind of reminds me a little bit of Gregory Polanco. Uh, the The selling point here is that, he could give you 50 steals and he could play in course field. So especially with how league wide, you know, stolen base right. numbers are trending. I mean, I've seen, I forget who, uh, who the guy was, but that, you know, there's guy like D Gordon, I think might've been worth more in leagues last year than, um, you know, yeah. guys that hit 40 plus homers. I mean, the, he run the, the do- earned yeah, dollar yeah. value speed's yeah. so tough to find. I mean, that, that was actually my biggest, regret of that nfbc draft is i didn't end up with enough speed and if you're not like i was going for power bats early which is i I don't regret that necessarily but if you if you don't get out of the first like five or six rounds with a guy that's going to get you 30 plus steals it's awfully tough to kind of make that up later in the draft rogers i think is a guy you know probably less than heck probably less than like a 40 percent chance that he makes it as a everyday player in the big leagues but if he does, then that's a guy that with his speed could hit like 280 with 45, 50 steals in the mm-hmm. big leagues. And so, I mean, that's that's hard to ignore. I think he's going to grow into a bit more power, maybe 10, 12 homer pop at his at his peak. So just a ton of upside. There's This is a really deep system. I actually liked Kevin Padlow a lot before they traded him to the Rays. He was in the mix for the top 10. They have a number of guys that I mentioned in the article about guys that were kind of considered for those last couple spots, but Rogers' upside, I think, kind of just pushes him over the top for me. Yeah, and just uh, just as a note, I mean, you, you mentioned your your draft not getting enough speed, as much speed as you'd like, and the one I did, I went Pollock Betts, just because I thought those guys <laughs> you were, give you. You're okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this thing, the, the stolen base is that those guys give you. Uh, I thought they gave me a very good uh, and you foundation, but then I got black. Yeah. That's the thing I didn't want to get. So that's like that's yeah. like 110 steals, right? Yeah, there. <laughs> ideally, yeah. But that's the thing I didn't. I didn't think Blackman would get back to me, and I also had some hesitations about do I take another outfielder, three mm-hmm. outfielders to start, and they're all very similar uh, kind of players production wise. But I think you know getting those stolen bases added on. Uh, just having that foundation of steals, mm-hmm. you know, you avoid overspending on guys like Billy Hamilton mm-hmm. and even Ben Revere, who I do kind of like, but I think he's maybe his price is maybe creeping up a bit. Now, Trevor's story is: Did he make your top three fifty overall players for yeah. for twenty sixteen? Yeah, I don't remember where I put him, but he's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up actually ended up with him in that oh, NFBC nice. draft too. So I think I did too. Actually, uh, nice. people aren't aren't ranking story like I actually on that uh, prospect tears article you were talking about someone and I were discussing in the comments Trevor story versus Joey Gallo for this year and I'm I'm story all the way there personally just because I, I think he gets more at bats I think he's more big league ready I think that there's a bigger Positions. bigger hole at you know I think Jose Reyes is a guy that I'm not touching this year I think he was barely 
an above replacement level player last year. His defense is terrible now. Uh, I think the domestic violence thing with him is is a very real possibility. They miss his time because of that. I think Story might just be a better play, a better big league player all around right now than than Reyes. And I also think DJ LeMahieu is a bit of fool's gold last year. So I think Story definitely gets enough at bats to be worth drafting if you're going 350 deep. Uh, he went like 2020 last year uh, in course field. He'll hit around 280, I would imagine. So it's there's a lot to like there. Yeah, and I mean Reyes. I mean, if, if he misses time due to suspension, which I kind of think he will, because you know Major League Baseball trying to set a precedent with that new policy. Plus, I mean, aside from the money, they don't really have anything tied in, no. into him. So no, there's no they, real reason to. And they can't get rid of him. him. Yeah, like so. they can't trade him. So. Maybe they'll be delusional and think that if they give him every day at bats, his trade value will jump. But that defense is not coming back. No. And if he's not playing shortstop for you, then he's not all that special. And I actually think his, from what I read, I think his domestic violence case is probably the most deserving of a suspension relative yeah. to the rest of the guys. So I'm with you. I think he does miss time there. Yeah, I do too. We'll move on to the Dodgers. And yeah, you're absolutely right. This is a stacked system. Uh, when when Cody Bellinger, I mean, I like Cody Bellinger, but when he's rounding out the top 10 yeah. at number 10, you know you're in damn good shape. Uh, Corey Seager and Julio Urias uh, leading the bunch, but Jose De Leon, too. I think he is an arm that, you know, people looking at Jose Barrios, Tyler Glass now, but De Leon could be a guy, even with the depth they currently have in the starting rotation at the major league level, could be a guy that comes up and surprises some people, makes a pretty big impact. Yeah, I I think De Leon is maybe more floor than ceiling for me right mm-hmm. now. Uh, you know, a guy that I think over a full season is going to give you 200-plus strikeouts. But I think the ERA and the whip, you know, I could see him putting up maybe like a James Shields-esque year where the ERA and the whip aren't that great, but you just can't find that kind of strikeouts from many guys outside the top 100 picks. So uh de Leon, kind of a number three for me uh with the dodgers you know that that might be a, a two three given how, how many wins he could get given the ballpark and everything but uh i just think there's a lot of safety there and and so yeah i mean i think that they're they're pitching this system's just awesome because mm-hmm. i've got a lot of power pitching a lot of really high upside position players and a lot of guys that i had to leave off the list i love too i mean i think Maybe the biggest sleeper for me, and he and he might not be a sleeper much longer because in in some of the uh, I did like an industry prospect mock that just got wrapped up the other day, and and Willie Calhoun is a guy that I I really like who got drafted last year in the fifth round, I believe. He got scooped up in that that industry mock, so people people know about him. He that that means he went in the 150 picks in that thing, and this guy made it to to high A last year after getting drafted. Uh, and he, his numbers across the board, like I compare, I think I wrote his outlook for the magazine, his, his numbers across the board are better than Alex Bregman's. He got as far up the organizational ladder as Alex Bregman did. And he's a little bit younger than Bregman. So like, there's a lot to like there and I had to leave him off this list. So that just kind of shows you how, how deep it is. Yeah. That's, that's definitely an eye to keep uh, a name to keep an eye on. I didn't know much about him, but, uh, very interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, I wanted to just get back to De Leon for one second. Uh, you mentioned ERA whip 
you know, might not be great when he comes up. And I, I would think, you know, you look at the K to walk from last year overall, 163 to 37, but the walk rate more than double or almost doubled with the move from high A to double A. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe some some control issues, maybe a bit of a whip risk early on. But I think that also, too, just the fact that he's, well, he could miss bats, but the fact that he's right-handed, that fact alone I think could help him because you look at the Dodgers' rotation mm-hmm. right now, Kershaw, Casimir, I mean, Wood or Ryu maybe, uh, Brett Anderson, that's four left-handers. Um, Maeda, the only right-hander in there projected currently. I think, you know, just to even balance that rotation, he could uh, make it nice, make for a nice fit relatively early on. Yeah, I, I'm staying away. I would advise everyone really to stay away from Dodgers pitchers who aren't Clayton Kershaw this year unless they're coming at like a major discount. Mm. Well, and Kenley Jansen, obviously, but... I just don't know what they're going to do. I, I think that they've probably got some kind of plan uh, about how they're going to use this starting pitching depth. But, you know, I could see them going to, like, a thing where Kershaw pitches every fifth day and then, like, they do some sort of, you know, spot starting with, with the other guys. I, I just don't know how they're going to use it. I don't think you're going to get the same amount of innings from the guys behind Kershaw mm-hmm. in that rotation as you might somewhere else. I mean, I think Maeda will probably get his, but, I mean, there's elbow concerns. All these guys. Like, yeah. everyone in their rotation other than Kershaw is an injury risk, yeah. basically. So it's 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 tough. And you got to get, like, Frankie Montes, who he might spend all, the whole season at AAA just because unless they want to just make him a reliever, which I think would be kind of stupid, then he might just spend the whole year at AAA, even though he's borderline big league ready right now. Yeah. I, I, I guess, you know, with a guy like Montes – the upside's probably too too high to pass on and just throw him in the bullpen. Want him to develop that third pitch, but the immediate value he'd bring to to that organization mm-hmm. in the bullpen. But you know, behind Jansen they got some guys. I mean Baez, Avalon Hatcher, JP Howell. I mean, all right, Amy Garcia. But I think he'd be a pretty high impact setup type of guy. So but we'll see. Mm-hmm. I think it's only wise that the organization puts him at triple A, has him to work on developing that third pitch at least to start. Now, Corey Seager, obviously getting a ton of hype. Big helium guy, as Jeff Erickson likes to say. Uh, and I know he's firmly in both of our top 100s, right? Oh, I yeah. mean, what is, is he like? I think he's, I think I moving actually, him up? I ended up, I ended up moving him to like around 50, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, maybe in the 50 to 60 range. And honestly, I don't, I think that means I just won't end up with him anywhere because he's the guy like, Derek was talking in the office earlier today, like who besides Rice Iglesias has seen their is gonna see their stock move the most from like now till opening day. Mm-hmm. And and I think I think Seeger might end up actually going at the end of some second rounds in some expert drafts. Like I, I could see him going at like pick twenty nine or something in an well, you expert. He pointed out draft. that he went thirty nine. He went thirty nine. Yeah, he, he went thirty nine in one NFBC draft already. He went forty fifth in the draft I was in on January twenty second. So I think by the time March rolls around, he'll be right in the middle of that third round. Mm-hmm. And with how scarce that position too is too, I mean, you can easily make a case top four rounds I, or so, but I, I think he's absolutely a top four shortstop this year. Uh, he should definitely go in the first four rounds. But, and I, I hate this is like one of my least favorite phrases. I'm kind of pissed at myself for even using it in the in the article. But like, there's not a ton of room to profit, and mm-hmm. there that's stupid because I mean, there yeah. is like sure he could hit like 310 and hit 30 homers or whatever and. 
be hitting second for them all season and, and score a ton of runs, driving a ton of runs. But it, I think most realistically, like I'm looking at maybe 275 and like 20 homers, mm-hmm. which maybe that's worth a third round pick at shortstop. But like, I mean, you could get fairly close to that with a guy like Johnny Peralta, honestly. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I don't know. I, I just think that people are kind of like, you know, the way that Chris Bryant rewarded people that took him early last year, Seager's not Bryant to me, at least not yet. I mean, Bryant was two years older. He had absolutely murdered everything at every stop, like way more so than, than Seager. I mean, Bryant hadn't slugged below 619 at any stop when he got called up. So I just think that there's there's going to be too much hype around him in March for me to have any shares. Yeah, and I'm with you as far as profit being kind of a, a lame you know, fantasy buzzword, but realistically, fantasy is about profiting at every, as much as possible on guys. So, you know, if you're if you're spending a third round pick or late second on on Corey Seager, uh, as intriguing as he is, it, like I can only see him returning cost at, at that price. But yeah, I, I'm with you on all those points. We'll move on to the Padres. This is a, an organization that's seen. Uh, an influx of some talent uh, with the top two prospects on your organizational ranks coming over in the Craig Kimbrell trade, Manuel Margot and Javier Guerra. You like Margot more. What is it about Margot that uh, propels him atop this list for you? I just think he's got basically zero offensive flaws. Uh, great, at, great at making contact, could steal 35, 40 bases, um, you know, really good hit tools, probably going to hit around 300 in his peak years. I think there's maybe 15 homer pop in that bat. Maybe there's 20 homer pop there. I think that his like absolute ceiling and the reason why I said he's, he's got the most upside in the system. I, I think his ceiling is something close to what AJ Pollock did last year. I mean, it's, it's really a well-rounded offensive package with him. Whereas with Guerra, the power is real. Like I think that you you definitely could see, you know, twenty twenty five homers from him in his peak years, which is great for a shortstop. But I think the overall production might look closer to what we saw from Brandon Crawford last year, mm-hmm. where it's like a you know two fifty five average maybe, and uh, not not any speed, just just kind of banking those homers and then hoping for some runs and some ribbies. So uh, there's obviously a chance Guerra's maybe a bit better than that. Maybe he's maybe hits. 25 homers and hits 270 275 but i think margot is just the better bet to help you across the board yeah that's interesting uh, i'm excited to see what those guys do this year not gonna sniff the majors i don't think uh maybe, maybe margot but i i just with this where this organization is at i this, don't think this team wise. sucks <laughs> yeah. I, I hate the patres oh, especially at, i mean that's the major sucks, league level like the, yeah. the major league team sucks and dfa'ing and trading Reimer Liriano is a big head scratcher for me. Uh, Just it, given like some of the other guys on the forty. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now your best bet for twenty sixteen is Colin Ray, and you said it would have been Liriano if he hadn't been DFA'd. I find that interesting that he's ahead of, ahead of a guy like Hunter Renfro. Uh, now, when I look at Ray, you know, I think I wrote his outlook for the magazine or did something to, to look at his numbers a little bit deeper than just you know the surface stuff, but. Uh, minor league career, really kind of average strikeout and walk rates. Nothing that's going to jump off the page. I think it's mid sevens, uh, K per nine, mid, you know, mid twos, uh, walk per nine. 
what do you see here that is it is it just opportunity or are there yeah. skills that you really are banking on? I think he's a fringe big leaguer who just happens to have the kind of control to to find his way to some solid years pitching in Petco. So like you know, if he if he goes out there and puts up like a three eight ERA, like a one two whip and gets like twelve wins or something pitching in Petco, I don't think that's crazy, and that's got value in, in deeper leagues. I think he starts the year at AAA just because Robbie Erland's out of options. But, uh, you know, I I don't like Renfro. Um, have, yeah, well, I mean, you've never I, been high on him, but are you souring even more on him? I just – he's the type of player that I just don't like. Um, <laughs> he's He's got power. He can – you know, he'll he'll crush mistakes – but he's not going to hit for a high average at all, really. And he's not going to give you much on the base paths. So <laughs> it's it's just not that exciting to me. I mean, he, he might just he might be like the bad version of Jay Bruce, mm. you know? So I just Ooh. don't yeah, that's, that's, I just don't really care. <laughs> and I, I don't a think hashtag indictment. Yeah. <laughs> and I I'm not sold that he sees that much time in the big leagues this year, to be honest. Like, I think that. You know, he had a had a nice brief run at AAA last year, but he also had a had a real nice big old bab up to go with that. I I don't know. I maybe I'm maybe I'm just too far down on him and it's it's clouded my judgment, but I I'm not a fan and I think if I could get a top 100 prospect back for him I would right now. Just want to ask you quick. I mean, the guy's 26, rule 5 pick, but Jabari Blash anything even this year? I mean, the power Make him intriguing in like NL only at all? I mean, I just don't know what they're gonna do in the corner. <laughs> just the fact that left field, like the the team, the depth chart is so screwy right now. Mm-hmm. I'd keep an eye on him, but I I don't know. I think that they're they've shown that they're not great at acquiring talent. They're not great at evaluating their own talent before letting it go. So, and Petco <laughs> generally a wasteland for right-handed power. So yeah, yeah. I mean, not I. Honestly, there's, you know, even like I had Raya ranked Raya ahead of Janikowski or Jankowski, who might start the year in center field. I just think he's not going to yeah. do anything, you know, like it's Janikowski, a boss man, junior platoon is going to be just hot, <laughs> hot stuff. Uh, Giants final team in the West that we're going to be looking at here. All final team in the West to look at. Uh, this is also a, a farm system that's really lacking. Of course, have had a ton of success in recent years and some success with some of their homegrown players. But uh, I look at this list, I mean, Christian Arroyo, Lucius Fox, Chris Shaw, Tyler Beatty, Alberto Mejia, the top five. And a lot of these guys, uh, rookie ball, low A, uh, in this top 10. I just don't really see a lot of help on the way. Uh, your best for 2016 is Mejia. But anybody else in this list that you're looking at in dynasty keeper leagues is guys that are must own uh, in leagues that roster 150 minor leaguers. The only two guys that should even be considered in in a league that's rostered 150 are Arroyo and Fox, mm-hmm. the two shortstops at the top. Uh, Arroyo is a really really good hitter who I think could probably hit like 300 in his in his peak years. Easy sixty on the hit tool, I think there, but I don't see much in the way of counting stats. I think maybe ten, twelve homers, 
might even be in a tad optimistic if he's playing in, in San Fran and nothing really on the bases, and then you wonder where he's going to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Joe Panic regresses to the point where Arroyo looks like a better option a year from now, but uh, just, I don't think Crawford's going anywhere, so you're going to probably need either Panic to regress or an injury or a trade for Arroyo to be helpful anytime soon. You know, he was 20 years – he's 20 years old. He's going to head to double A. So, I mean, definitely an advanced bat, but he's legitimately blocked right now. Lucius Fox, who has got one of those cool stories, um, he he was from the – gosh, where Great was he name. from? What, what what country was he – did he move to? He was. I think he was born in, like, uh, the Bahamas. and it, That sounds wrong. But, like, <laughs> uh, he was born somewhere in the, the Caribbean – uh, went to school. Bahamas? Went to school in Florida, and then moved back there so that he could be an international free agent. Oh, yeah, and just right. just killing the system, which I love. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that's just just sheer will, <laughs> uh, and and you know got paid handsomely for it. But he's forever away. Like I, I think you mm. could realistically throw like a, a Jose Reyes comp on the whole package down the road. Just I mean, blazing fast. Uh, you know, really good contact ability, possibly 15 homer power, but he's so far away that even rostering him in a league that's that's rostering 150 might be a tad aggressive for me. Well, great stuff, and be sure to check out Farm Futures. A piece is going up every Tuesday uh, until for the next five weeks. Every uh, every Tuesday for the next like seven months or eight months or whatever. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> I'm just talking about the division yeah, yeah, top yeah, yeah. tens, but yeah, and then we'll have the division previews. Uh, previewing the, the teams at the major league level corresponding with the divisions uh, the following Thursday. com slash pod for a free 10-day trial if you don't have a subscription. No credit card required, no strings attached. We are going to be grading out uh, our first solo hip-hop act, right? We didn't do that. We were grading out hip-hop no. groups at the Some end of Some of the groups year. should have been solo acts, but... Um, we were, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, like... Like the terrorist squad? Yeah, like, well, that, that should have been a, a zero... <laughs> <laughs> rapper act after after big pun yeah. died but uh yeah no this is exciting we did uh wrestlers for a while rap groups for a while and now individual god knows there's enough solo rappers to carry oh, us through yeah. the 2016 season yeah and if you're unfamiliar with with our grading process we're grading on the 20 to 80 scouting scale uh grading the five tools that we've established for hip-hop artists lyricism flow longevity impact and swag and then we'll be giving an overall grade we debated a little bit as to who to grade uh, for this first podcast back. He threw out DMX, thought it was a good suggestion. We'll have to do him soon. But I wanted to do a really a, a top-tier pre- yeah, premier rapper, and so we're going with Nas. I didn't know how premier you wanted to go, so I, I threw out DMX. Very premier. Um, I think I was actually listening to DMX when I Ooh. threw him out to you, so I, I think that that might have been a part of that. But, yeah, I mean, Nas, hard to do much better. Yeah, I mean, this guy is a legend. Uh, I got heated. I got heated the other day hearing some Nas slander on Twitter. People saying he's washed, putting the crying Jordan face over him, things like that. Really kind of gets under my skin. One of your uh, traits as a hip hop fan is that you'll you'll go down with the the rappers that you (laughs) you grew up loving, even when they might be a little over the hill. You're kind of like one of those. You're kind of like one of those baseball managers. You're like a Matheny that's just oh. gonna just gonna ride, you know the the 
the veteran that that had helped you this in the past, true. and this you're just gonna you're just gonna go with him. But yeah, I mean, hard I, for it, me to trust that young prospect. Yeah, yeah, very hard. <laughs> very everyday role. Very wary of that young prospect. I'll give him occasional spot starts. <laughs> if I hear if he strikes out on one track, yeah, uh, it's gonna doesn't, be hard for me to forget. Yeah, he doesn't run out of ground there. Then he's got you're, twenty he's, forgiveness he's spot on the bench. Himself. But uh, Nas, I mean, even I couldn't give him all eighties across the board. I know, you know. You could probably make a case. Nas, obviously, one of the greatest artists of all time. Uh, and I am giving him a, a 80 grade on the f- lyricism because some of those lyrics, especially on the original Illmatic, just out of control. You're giving a 75 here. I mean, this is a guy that, when it comes to lyrics, uh, and we'll get to impact later on, but as far as lyricism goes, especially around that time, uh, and the New York East Coast rap scene really kind of paved the way for a lot, for the style of that era. Yeah, so there's lyricism might be the toughest 80 for me to dole out just because most rappers, and in fact, I would say there's really only one rapper that I can think of that I would put an easy 80 on their lyricism, and I'm not going to spoil who that is, but uh, we'll we'll get to him. Mm-hmm. Um but Rock him. Uh, we'll get to him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Fair enough. I, I threw an eighty on on lyricism for the group Eric B and Rock him. I mean that's basically yeah. Rock him. So yeah. uh, that is Rock But yeah, I, I think inevitably if you make enough albums, you're gonna have enough songs where the lyrics aren't all that great. So obviously, Illmatic eighty lyrics on that album, eighty lyrics on it was written, probably eighty lyrics on stillmatic and maybe i am but you know he's got plenty of plenty of other albums in that catalog yeah. so i i think 75 is still awfully high for me yeah. uh, that's true but that's like four albums that you listed of 80 lyrics, lyrics. i mean it's, lyrics I get what you're saying. the lyrics on illmatic might be the best lyrics yeah it kind of sets the bar in the the history like yeah. i mean I'll also <laughs> say this just for nas fans that are listening you haven't heard the Lost Tapes? You remember when that came out in 2002? But some really good hidden gems in there. Blaze of 50. Mm-hmm. Really good track. <laughs> uh, we'll move on to Flow. I gave him a 70 here. Like the Flow. I guess in later years it kind of waned a little bit. You got an 80. I mean, don't get me wrong. Plus, plus tool. But for me, I mean, the Flow, for me it was more the lyrics that carried him. The Flow, uh, as good as it was, after you know, decade and a half of listening to him, kind of a lot of a lot of the songs uh he just sounds very similar on and i don't think the the flow changes up enough to give it an 80 i get i i went 80 because i think that when even when the lyrics aren't there in some of his later albums the flow's the same i mean like the flow on like a track like halftime i mean mm. you're not beating that uh <laughs> just true. just really kind of nasty and i mean a lot of a lot of it just worked out perfectly with the beats you know i think he had he had primo doing a lot of his stuff in the the early 90s i just i think that you know even like on on like godson he's he's rocking an 80 flow on a lot of those songs uh you know that double disc that i bought that had a had a poster that folded out in the middle i think that was street's disciple um, Ooh, I don't know if I actually that uh gave that yeah, much some some eighty some eighty flow on on that that uh, you know thieves thieves theme Ooh, you know? yeah Ooh, yeah play me at night they don't act right I mean there's there's a lot of 
instances where he's bringing that flow even even after his prime. So I, I gave him an 80 there. No, I respect that. Let us know, too, if you want to weigh in on your personal grades, at Anderson on Twitter, at Clay W. Link as well. Longevity, I gave him a 60, and this isn't anything to do with him. Like I mentioned, it's these damn millennials throwing shade his way, just not appreciating uh, what he really brings to the table. Maybe he's not commercial enough. If I want to hear, like... A millennials take on hip hop then I'll then I'll ask. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good call. I I don't know why I see these things probably just retweeted mostly into my timeline, but I mean hip hop is kind of dead. Like it I is. I would say like in good hip hop. In the sense of like just just rap music in general, like maybe hip hop might not be dead, but like rap music to me like there's just it's not the same at all. Mm-hmm. Like I mean it's it's a completely different sound now. Um yeah. You know, like, I mean if you don't, it doesn't even surprise me that someone might not like Nas that that's kind of grown up in in the last five years. I mean, that it's not it's not the same, really. And even, I mean, I love the guy; he's great, Nick Whalen. But you know, there's about a five year age gap between me and Whalen. He, I don't think he's ever listened to Nas, has he? He didn't. He hadn't heard Ether when we talked to him the other day. And I just think, you know, I think even the, there's that gap where it's like. You know, maybe the discography is is daunting. You don't want to jump in, and I uh, don't know where to start with Nas. But I mean, you start with Illmatic, obviously. But I just don't think uh, maybe some of the younger people have the, the patience to give them the fair listen. Well, it's their loss because <laughs> I I still bump Nas, you know, at least once a week. So uh, longevity, I threw a seventy five on it just because. I mean, this is a this is a lot of you know, personal definition of, of what, what it means to have, have longevity in the rap game. I I think that the fact that, you know, he's got a, an all time classic, maybe the best rap album of all time released in 94. And then in 2001, he has another classic and still Matic. I mean, that's, that's just maybe one of my favorite. I mean, Illmatic's probably better, but still Matic's probably one of my favorite. That's probably a, that's that's a, you know that's a seven year gap and still putting out classic stuff. Most of the Nostradamus probably not a classic, but it still was had ri- some, it was some written tracks. you know definitely classic material. So and then you know Godson is is fine. I mean there's there's some there's some bangers on there. There's some bangers on Streets Disciple. Hip hop is dead. I mean there's there's a lot of stuff out there. And then another kind of factor in longevity. You know I'll I'll bang Illmatic you know all oh, the time yeah. and and it's 2016 you know it, it that it's that amazing. got released 24 years ago yeah. so and it holds up so well it, it yeah does. i mean it's never not going to sound good really yeah. so it's i still think still too i mean i was listening to ether uh the other day along with i mean destroying rebuild i mean queensbridge come on mm-hmm. i mean it's there's so many hits i just you know and again it's really my 60 grade very strong but it has more to do with uh this generation liking i mean i like future but it's you know future drake these types uh that are getting all of the attention and people don't really want to turn turn back the pages and Nas not really coming out with any new material that i know of right now uh, but we'll move on to impact i got a 75 you got an 80 here this is pretty obvious and we mentioned it at the start really a big impact not only regionally but the nation and worldwide on the hip-hop game yeah, every everybody that came up in the '90s or even in the 2000s grew up listening to Nas. I mean, 
Quiet Storm with Mob Deep featuring Nas. It came on a random mix the other day, and I love that song. Yeah, I mean, Nas, you know, inspired Mob Deep. I yep. mean, inspired uh, Jay. In, <laughs> Jay stole his J- flow. No, 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 I'm no, kidding, no, no. Um, yeah, I, full disclosure, I'm I I lean Jay, Clay leans Nas, and that whole Jay Z Nas thing. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I just squashed it. Like eventually. Illmatic is probably one of the two or three most influential rap albums of all time. Uh, you know, lot just lots of stuff. I mean, he, you know, making big time hits in the 2000s still too. So I mean, it's it's hard to argue that he was one of the most impactful rappers of all time. And another easy grade, easy high mark grade to swag. Uh, Can you guess Nothing what? that flashy, aside from the QB chain, but very swagged out. So I gave him a 75. Can you guess? There's one reason I didn't give him an 80. Can you can you name that reason? It's It's a one-word answer. You know, I if I took a minute... Maybe I could think of it, but I, I can't right now. Kalise. Oh, yeah. I just I can't give him an eighty swag because okay, of the way very, that Kalise did him. Yeah, Kalise did him dirty, but uh, no, I mean, I you can't you. get done like that. That's very true. <laughs> and Jay, I guess on the other hand, Beyonce. That's all the marks in his favor. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that's that's a very good call. I thought you were going to say like Nostradamus or something. No, no. I no. mean, I like Nostradamus, okay, but I thought that was kind of one of his worst albums of that era, but. Uh, or maybe the Nostradamus video wasn't. <laughs> that wasn't song bad. sucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the video is really bad too. Uh, overall, seventy-five, same grade as you. I mean, this is. Uh, we're gonna try to mix it up and you know go with some some rappers who have far worse grades later on. Yeah, but Nas, it's just set the bar. It's even more gonna be more fun than than groups because yeah. there's just so many. Yeah, we could pick. It's just pick a billion billion in all the the really the the levels there. I mean, we can go with a. 60 rapper next week we'd go with a 45 rapper the next week we'd go with an 80 rapper the, the yeah. next week i mean there's a lot of places we can go here so should be fun, should be fun to break it down all year long yeah, we'll be doing this every tuesday moving forward uh thanks for listening guys and yeah if you have a, any questions for us regarding prospects or any recommendations for us rappers to grade let us know again real jr anderson i'm at clay w link thank you guys we'll be back next week so you own your own business got small ambitions for this business of course you don't Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.